Are you looking for that five-star grooming? Oasis Grooming Barber and Beauty Spa is the place to go in North Mississippi. Chris and his staff will get you that fade, trim, or even that hair art you've been looking for. Located at 2662 Highway 51 South in Hernando, or be on the lookout for the new location going up in Silo Square. So join the OG lifestyle today and tell them the end off the bench sent you. All right, boys, so you know I've struggled with pain. You know I've struggled with weight loss. You know I've struggled with anxiety, and you know I've struggled with sleep. What if I told you there was a place that could help you with all of these things? True Life Dispensary, pain relief without narcotics, sleep, weight loss, anxiety relief. You can find this at 117 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 10 to 5. So check them out and get your life turned around. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim... Tonight's a good one. We got episode 21 titled Coffin Meat Nailed because we got the guy who puts the final nail in the coffin to Mississippi State closer. Landon Sims joining us tonight. I'm excited. You are. We're going to talk about what it's like being the closer of the best team in college baseball. We're going to recap a magical season and finally talk about what's next for those guys coming up. So. And let's get right to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview and podcasting this week, our man, Mississippi State closer and new national champion, Landon Sims. All right, Landon, my man, you're in the house. What's up? Just hanging out, you know, I'm back in Starkville after the, the whole summer circuit and I'm heading home tomorrow and hanging out with the family for a few weeks. Well, that's good. I'm sure it's it's much needed and, and much deserved. Uh, it's been a, a, a long season and we hope to, you know, get the best story possible because, and I say the best story, I know we're going to get the best that we can get, but it's just a long, very detailed, you guys had a action-packed year and you know leading up to this year there was a lot going on but before we dive into all of that you know I, I gotta ask and you know I, I heard you guys you know won you know, some congratulations are in order I mean heard you guys won a big game is that true yeah it, it was a little bit of a big game um, you know it was pretty important to the to the Mississippi State fan base I think yeah well, on, on behalf of the In Off the Bench podcast, man, we follow you guys. And, you know, before we get started, we want to congratulate y'all and just thank you. And, and, and Jim will get into the story and, and why it's so memorable and special and, and why it really touches him. But um, it's an absolute honor to have you on. And, you know, you're you're larger than life to, to us two guys. So um, we appreciate you. Yeah, well, thank you all for having me on. I'm excited. All right, so I gotta ask, and 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 don't don't kill the messenger here, but um, what's the deal, man? I I I've heard from multiple sources, and you're you're certifiably insane. Like you, you got some anger issues, you got some anger problems. Like what's the deal? 
I don't know. It's different when I'm on the field than when I'm off the field. Um, I'm sure Hootie would say different, but he knows how to get under my skin pretty good. Well, I, I'm not going to confirm nor deny that Hootie was the one that asked me to ask you that. But Oh, yeah. Um, I don't doubt it at all. He likes to mess with me a lot, and I like to mess with him. Yeah, I think people don't understand, like, the mentality you got to have as a closer, man. You, you got to be a little crazy sometimes. You got to have a little – Oh, yeah, definitely. You got to have a little off off kilterness in you. Yeah, but, you got. Yeah, you got to be able to flip the switch a little bit. Yeah, but but prior to that, man, let's 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 take me back, little little Landon, man. Like, where where's little Landon from? Where did he grow up? What was family life like? Um, so I grew up in Cumming, Georgia. It's about forty five miles north of Atlanta. Um, I grew up with an older sister. Um. You know, both she she was a gymnast her whole life. So uh, sports were a really big thing in our house, you know, with my mom and my dad. They both played sports growing up. Um, but ever since a young age, you know, I just everything that, um, you know, we've done sports have been a really big part of all of that. You, you talk about sports being a big part. What sports were they? I mean, was it obviously it was more than just baseball. You said your dad yeah. played, your mom played, your sister was a gymnast. Was there any, any influences there to, to play other sports other than baseball? Um, yeah, I played, I played football since, or I played football from ages or age six to my senior year of high school. Um, my dad didn't want me to play very, very much. He wasn't huge on me playing football, but um, one of our family fan, friends, convinced him to let me play. And, um, you know, for a while there, football was my favorite sport. Um, and then, you know, as, as I got a little bit older, I started to love baseball a little bit more. And I realized I, I was a lot better at, at baseball than I was at football. Um, and the, the future was probably in baseball. I'm not, not playing, um, defensive back in football, but, uh, but no, I've played, you know, baseball since, um, I think I first started at like three or four, something like that. I mean, since I could walk, um, you know, I've I've had a bat or a ball in my hand from what I've been told. Um, and then, you know, football was football was the fall sport and uh, baseball was the spring and summer sport. Yeah, so, you know, as a kid starting, you know, very young at three or four and then you kind of progress through high school. I mean, are, are you – are you the best athlete on the team? Because like, I, I picture it as like, you know, the, the last memory of you being on the field was you're winning a national championship. But like, if I picture you as a kid, I'm like, that guy is probably the best player on the field. Like, was that the case? Or was it a kind of a, you, you kind of got better as you went or, you know, you had to grow into the body? What, what, what was the case? Um, we had like, when I was younger, we always had like a really good team. Um, you know, we had a, a pretty core nucleus of, of really good, uh, baseball players. Um, but not the growing into the body thing. No, I was, I was always big. Um, when I, I was always the biggest kid and then, you know, now I'm like six, one, so everybody's past me, but, um, I was like the biggest kid on my, on my baseball team, football team. Um, I actually stood out more on the football field. Uh, it, through elementary school and middle school than I did um, on the baseball field. Let me ask you this, man. 
you mentioned baseball and football, but I gotta ask because I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw any names out there for this one, but there are some guys on your team that think that they were hoopers. Oh they, yeah, they they still think that they're hoopers, and, and I've I've had I just had to shut one down. So was basketball a thing for you, or you kind of steered away from? So that? I played one year of basketball uh, in the seventh grade. And I, I played like I was playing football um, and I can't shoot worth a lick. Like I like terrible shooter, um, like basketball was not my sport whatsoever. Uh, so I played one year and I was like, all right, like this is kind of just a not a waste of my time. But, you know, it was fun. We, we won the, the county championship or whatever in middle school. Um, I mean, I didn't play a whole lot, but I was on the team. Um, but um no, basketball was never a big thing. But I, I think, you know, I think Cameron talks a little bit about how he was a little bit of a hooper early in high school, and then he stopped playing. But um, he's the only certified one that I can that I can verify because because I, I know and I've seen in his athleticism. And I would take Cumbus because he's simply that tall. But you know, a few of the other guys really think they can hoop, and I don't know. We don't really believe believe it so much. They, 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 they're notorious for remembering that one time that they miraculously did something. Oh yeah. I mean, when you, when you remember the one time, that means you're not good. Yeah. No, a lot of baseball players think they're like just gods on the basketball court, but I'm one to own up the fact that I'm literally terrible at basketball. Absolutely terrible. I I can respect that. And I appreciate your honesty because (laughs) There's some guys on your team that are not so honest. Hey, Daniel, they're not they're not as bad as the Tennessee guys. They all said they could hoop, and then we had it get completely shut down by one of the later guests that said none of them can hoop. That's right. So, yeah, no, and everybody on the team that's like seen me play basketball would be like, yeah, he like. There's a big possibility I'm the worst hooper on the team, like by a long shot. He's like the the Fulton Reed. He's he's the enforcer. They just put him out there and just kind of knock bodies around. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was bigger. Like I was like I said, I was bigger than everybody in seventh grade, too. So like if we needed somebody to go in and play deep, I actually started a few games to do the tip off. And then <laughs> like I would call time out immediately. Yeah, no, I would get subbed out immediately. Don't let him dribble. Don't let him dribble. No, no, I can't. And the weirdest thing is I can't dribble with my right hand. I can only dribble with my left hand. I don't know why that is, but um because you're not a basketball player and it's no. okay it, it, it's, it's okay because you know what you are good at baseball <laughs> I, I try and be i try and be good at baseball man well the, there's no change in my mind on that and, and as we talk like hopefully you know we'll, we'll we'll get that that humbleness out of you because you deserve a lot of accolades man and, and you are a stud but you know going back to growing up you know as a kid, you're you're a big kid. You're one of the biggest kids on the team. Are you always a pitcher? Were you a position guy? Did you hit the um, ball a little bit? I didn't hit like I pitched a little like everybody pitched when like from eight to twelve you were thirteen you whatever it was. Um, but I was more of a position player when like through those ages like I was a better hitter than I was a pitcher. And then um, when I turned fourteen, I started throwing harder than everybody. Um, just like out of nowhere. I just like, I'd always had pretty good arm strength for my age, but um, like I took off a little bit in the velocity standpoint. Um, 
and then that that's kind of when I realized like um if I was going to continue to to keep throwing hard and have good velocity like pitching was probably going to be the the uh like the future um but I wasn't you know like most pitchers will say they were good hitters in high school or whatever but I mean I think I was a I like a pretty good hitter um I think I was like a career like 330 hitter in high school hit like uh I think it was like 17 home runs, something like that in high school. Um, but I mean, I can brag on myself a little bit about hitting now that, now that I'm just a, uh, a pitcher. But um, if I had to face some of these dudes that our hitters face, like they would embarrass the crap out of me. Daniel, I got it, dude. We always like want to do a live stream based upon these conversations. Dude, Cam was an amazing pitcher in high school. Let's let Cam take it back in the day. We'll let him pitch. We'll let Landon hit. We'll go live stream. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm down for it. Like, <laughs> I'll do it. So, I'd, I'd pay to see that, actually. I, I think I think that would be interesting. I'm sure there's a lot of other guys that would like in on that action, too. But Yeah, I, I think there would be a lot of pitchers that would love to hit off of some of the position players. So, you know, you, you talk about, you know, being able to throw harder, you know, around age 14, start – you know, obviously, I'm assuming you're playing travel ball mm-hmm. as well. Um, you get, you know, you get put on or you, you make the Team USA under 15 team. Um, was throwing hard the reason you made that team or was it hitting? Was it was it the whole package? Uh, it was just pitch. I just pitched on that team. Um, I had like for the trials or whatever, where they, where they bring in 40 guys and then they cut it down to 20 for the uh that national team i went in and i hit too but um they they just took me as a pitcher so how hard are you how hard are you throwing the ball then um okay so when i was 14 that summer i topped out at 88 i think 15 you it was like 90 91 maybe 92 um, like top out. I, w- I mean, I'd probably sit around like 88, 89, 90. He says that so casually too. <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was, God gifted me with a really good arm at a young age. And thankfully I've, I've kept it, um, kept it up to this point. Hopefully, you know, I'll hit triple digits one day, who knows, but um, no, the, it was when I was younger, like, if you threw hard, like nobody was going to hit you just because nobody like at age 14, 15, just because nobody had seen that velocity like ever before, because there's such a big jump from like ages 13, 14 and 15. Absolutely. So you, you're, you're now in high school at this, this point in time, you know, what high school are you playing for? Uh, South Forsyth high school. And you, you, you were a multi-sport athlete up until your senior year. Um, you're two-time all-region in football, three-time all-region in baseball, and you were a region, you know, pitcher of the year twice. Um, given all of these things, like, how do you just give up football? Well, I, I played football my senior year as well. Okay. But, okay. Uh, but I mean, going into it, like, I almost didn't play my senior year um, just because, like, the summer circuit with everything with baseball going into that year. And it being a draft year, um, like it was it was hard for me to, um, you know, kind of just by the time like August, well, mid-August came around, like just 
shoved baseball to the side um, when it was such an important year. But football was like such an important sport for me. Um, you know, like the the mentality y'all see on the mound a little bit. Um, well, a lot of it has come from like like it comes from a football mentality. Um, and if someone charges the mound, you'll be ready. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Unless I mean, like a lot of people are bigger than I am now, like taller, taller. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty wide load, I guess. Um, but like, if somebody's like six five, I, I'm not sure what I'll do. Hopefully, hopefully somebody stops them before they get to me. But I, I don't know if that's happening. Now, what happens is your boy behind the dish, Tanner's going to throw that ball back to you as quick as possible, and that's going to stop anybody dead in their tracks. Oh yeah, because I mean. 90 plus from 66 inches hurts. Yeah. 90 plus from 30 to 40 feet, you're going to hurt somebody. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm moving the other way. And, and I'm sure that, you know, and I, I usually, you know, equate it to where I'm from. I live in Florida right now, and there's a lot of guys that are, you know, the single sport athletes, and they end up, burning out hurting themselves or they're just not like they don't have that athletic fire in them that you would see with multi-sport athletes you know and i feel like what you're what you're saying is that football helped you know ignite a, a fire in the co a comp competitive side that you know was easier to take with you into the baseball where whereas you don't have to like develop that you already have that um so i can see where we're playing football like helped a lot was was there any any doubts or any any thoughts in your mind where you know hey I wish I would have you know spent a little more time on the football side and not as much on the baseball or was at that point in your career as in your senior season you know like baseball is the ticket uh no there there wasn't any doubts um I, I committed to Mississippi State when I was a sophomore. Um, so, like, I knew football, like, nothing was going to happen after after high school. Um, but like, I, I, I always think about, um, you know, if I, if I hadn't played baseball, you know, like, um, what kind of career or, or where I could have taken myself on the football field. Um, just I, I think naturally everybody thinks about that. But, um, like, I really, really enjoyed football. Um, like I said earlier, like shoving baseball to the side a little bit my senior year when that was such an important year. Um, I think that just goes to show how important football was to me and um, just the camaraderie that it brings. And uh, there's there's a bunch of life lessons, too, in the game of football, just like the game of baseball. Absolutely. Do you, do you think that committing early to Mississippi State gave you a little bit of leeway to kind of like, you know, take a step back from baseball a little bit? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, that was a, an extremely, extremely stressful time. Like the recruiting process, like it starts so early now with everybody. Like I was a 15 year old kid, like making a life decision. Um, like I had like thinking back on it now, like be, even being a 20 year old, um, now, like, I mean, like, there's some really big decisions, and I had to make like the decision of a lifetime when I was 15. You know, obviously, it was just a verbal commitment, but um, you know, I, my parent, me and my parents, we just sat down before I committed, and um, 
you know, we said, if I'm going to commit this early, I'm going to keep my commitment. And, um, you know, the only way that, that I could change the commitment was if there was a coaching change and there actually happened to be a coaching change. Um, but you know, I, I stuck with the commitment and I'm really happy I did, but, um, it, I think it did allow me a little bit to take a little bit of a step back and, um, you know, kind of enjoy the game a little bit more because, you know, you, when you're that age, everybody's, um, you know, everybody's trying to get like, get offers, end up committing to a school, um, you know, do this and that, but like at that age, it's, it's the game's supposed to be fun. Like it's always supposed to be fun, but, um, you know, when it gets stressful like that and you're putting a lot of stress on yourself as a 15 year old kid, you know, uh, wanting to impress the college scouts, like the college coaches, every time you go out and you play, um, it's a lot. And, um, I feel for, I feel for those high school kids right now that, that we're having to go through the, uh, the dead period with COVID and everything, you know, um, cause no college coaches could go out there and watch them play. So they were having to, you know, post everything on Twitter and, and do this and do that. And there's a lot that you can't see, um, you know, if you're not there, like everybody can watch a home run hit, but, uh, or, or throwing 95, but there's a lot of other things that go into being a good baseball player and um, catching a coach's attention. But that's one good thing about our early commitment. One of your teammates missed basically his senior year with Kate Smith, but he he had already committed. So that that is the one good thing about early for any of those who did that when COVID did come. Right. Yeah. No. And I, that you, it's funny you say that. Like I feel so I I can't imagine if I would have missed my senior baseball season, um, just because it's you know, I'm sure you know everybody that's at Mississippi State they were on the varsity team as as early as they could be and. Um, you know, not being able to finish out that last year, I feel for all those guys. I mean, I, I'm I'm almost 37, and I I feel like I could edit a highlight reel and and get into college if if given the opportunity. Like I could hide a lot of flaws. Yeah, that you know, it's like yeah. Um, you know, I I hope it doesn't end up hurting the college game, and and you know, like kids end up in in the spots they're not supposed to, but. Um, you know, everything works out the way it's supposed to anyway. Yeah. I feel like, you know, you're right there in the boat. You're, you're moving along. Things are working out the way that you're expecting them to work out. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about that high school team. How good were you guys? I mean, you're being all, all region as a pitcher, all region of football, like gotta be some athletic prowess walking around those halls of the school. So the football team was actually always better than the baseball team. We, we only made the playoffs once in, in baseball when I was in high school and I played on varsity freshman year through senior year. And um, we made it my junior year. And we actually, we won region that year in football and baseball. We, uh, we went undefeated during the regular season in football, uh, ended up losing in the first round of the playoffs, but um, and then we, we went, uh, we lost like five games, six games, seven games, something like that during the regular season and baseball won the region, made it to the second round of the playoffs, got beat at home. But, um, no, that, that, that team junior year was really good. Like I thought we had a really good shot at winning state, but, um, it's funny. Cause like we, we were just never. We, could, we, we always had good teams, like really good athletes, really good players. 
we just couldn't ever put it together. And I mean, we played in a really competitive region too. Like everybody that we were playing, like they had an arm that was a, a D one power five commit, you know, some bats that were really good too. And, um, but it, it just, we just never, we fell short, like one game short of the playoffs, like two, two times. Uh, the other time it was like two or three games. Like it, it was super competitive. And I mean, not, not having much success as a team in high school. Um, you know, I'm glad I got to come to Mississippi state and <laughs> we had a little bit of success as a team this year. Well, you, you know, I, I tell Jim and our other co-hosts all the time, baseball is extremely hard to win. Right? Oh, yeah. And, and not just win singular games, but to make a run and win in the postseason, it is extremely hard because not only do you got to have the talent, but you got to outplay teams for a long period of time, but you got to have a little bit of luck sometimes too. Oh, yeah. Unless you go to DeSoto Central like Cameron James and Kate Smith did, then you can win in high school and yeah, college. They, they, yeah, they can just win whatever. You know, that that high school is just unreal at baseball, you know. Look, Every, look, all, all I hear about is how good D.C. was and and um, from Cameron and, and Cade and, you know, some of those older guys too that went there. What I, what I need to know is check the, the zone for DeSoto Central because I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people going to DeSoto Central over these years. Oh, yeah. They don't they don't live there. No, I don't, I don't mind. I'm not, no, I mean they got guys at the at the wazoo. Like <laughs> I I can verify where Blaze Jordan, Kate Smith, Cameron James, all of them live. They live in the zone, Daniel. It's just it just happened to be that way. Now they might have moved there to go there. That's a whole different story, but they're 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 in the zone, but that's that's school Landon. I tell you, man, that's how I mean that's how I became a fan of y'all and and those guys. I lived in the neighborhood across the street from the high school, and I actually miss Austin Riley and all them play right. I didn't I didn't even realize how good and Keegan James and how good that team was. And then I got an invite like the year after they won the state title, and uh, I find out like that the best team in the state is right across the street from my house, and it's just a six dollar ticket. And then next thing you know, I'm watching and. And that's how I got to watch all those guys develop. But, yeah, D.C. just puts out uh, talent like unreal. But, yeah. you know, on the on the high school football thing, I wanted to tell you, because Daniel played baseball and football, and you were talking about how one was good and one wasn't. Well, he played both sports. I didn't. And for him, luckily, our baseball team was phenomenal. Our football team stunk. And so I was on the uh, I never won anything train. So luckily you got to at least be a part of one winning team. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, it was like football was, we were just a bunch of greedy dudes that, you know, we were really well coached. We, we ran the ball a lot, like 70% of the time. Um, and we always had a really, really good defense. Um, but it like football is crazy. Like I love the game of football. I loved like nothing. I mean, other than duty, a pack duty, noble, like nothing beats Friday night lights. Absolutely. So, you know, we talk about the, the level of talent and, and really how, how good you were. I mean, in one of many that were really good at, at the school, but there was one thing that you said that stuck out to me and you mentioned draft. Uh, was the draft an option out of high school for you? Um, so my summer before senior year, was, like I had a really good summer. Um, 
Yeah, I got up to 97 that summer. Um, I threw, I started, my slider was good that summer. Um, and, you know, I thought, like, I thought that after that summer, um, you know, that I was, that there was a good shot that I was going to end up signing out of high school. And then, and then the, uh, the high school season rolled around and, um, I, my velo was down, like my command was, I had double the amount of walks I had the previous year. Um, my ERA was boosted, uh, like nothing really went my way that year. Um, which I'm glad it worked out that way right now. What do you think it was? What do you think it was? I don't, I don't know what it was. Like, I don't want to say it was complacency or anything like that. Cause I've always tried to be like the hardest worker in the room, but um, I don't know. It, I think it was just a combination of everything. Um, I just, I put on some weight before that season and I think it was some, I think it was bad weight, um, you know, looking back on it and, I just – I don't know if it was – I wasn't able to move my body as well as I do now or, um, you know, what. But, um, like, everything went wrong that could have gone wrong leading up to the draft in, in 2019. There's something really to that, Daniel, because, you know, Keegan James, you know, he's still in the best he ever has in his life, and it's because he said he shed that weight. I mean, there's give and take to it. I mean, if you – gain weight you got a little bit more behind the baseball right obviously. but if you lose weight then you know there's arm arm angles and and speed to the plate and stride length there's a lot of things that factor in like that might be different and right when it comes to pitching those little mechanical things at this level that landon's at now and at the pro level those little mechanical things are huge um, and so you compound that with adding weight on or taking weight off like and it makes a big difference so um you know and, and probably you know a lot of it is too is you're a high school kid like you, you, not that you 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 don't know what you don't know so like probably getting to a college getting a trainer getting a, a guy and a support staff that's going to take care of you and help you and lead you in the right direction and more importantly educate you on what is what does it take to be a professional because right. in my opinion when you go to mississippi state or if you go to any sec school we're going to get we're going to treat you as if we're getting you to become a professional baseball player yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that like going to college was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Um, like if I would have had, if I would have gotten drafted, I would, and I would have signed, um, you know, I'm an 18 year old kid going out to Arizona or Florida, you know, living on my, living on my own for the first time. Um, you know, like using my own money. Uh, thankfully my parents do give me money every now and again, but, <laughs> um, like I'd be living, living on my own, um, living off my own dollar, uh, you know, like would have never had the chance to get my feet wet. Um, and I've really developed like just really, really well since I got to Mississippi state. And, and like you were saying, um, you know, I've, I feel like I've, I've got a good grasp on what it takes to be a professional now. And, um, you know, if that, if that opportunity presents itself, like, I feel like I'll be in a really, really good spot to 
um, you know, be successful because you just learn so much about the game and you learn so much about yourself um, being in college. Like, um, you know, me now to me compared or me that I just botched that me now compared to me when I stepped on campus is like night and day um, from like a mindset mindset standpoint and um, you know, everything else, uh, you know, I, I know what it takes between, you know, outing to outing, you know, week to week in order to make my body feel the best to, to perform at the highest level. Absolutely. So were there any other schools, you know, I know you verbally committed early to Mississippi state, but were there any other colleges that were even an option for you or a thought, or was it, I got to go to Mississippi state. That's where I want to go. That's where I need to be. Yeah. Um, growing up, I like, um, I wanted to play baseball at Clemson for some reason, you know, I, I grew up a Georgia, a Georgia bulldog, um, through and through and, and they were an option too, but, um, you know, Clemson was an option. Georgia was an option. Auburn, um, Alabama, Is Clemson even any good at baseball? We obviously know they're dominant in football, but I, I don't remember ever seeing them in any postseason action. Um, I, I don't think they made the postseason this year, but they, I mean, historically they have a really good program. Um, you know, they get really good players. Uh, they like their, their player facilities are super nice. Uh, their field's pretty nice. Their stadium's pretty nice. They, they've got good stuff going on over there, but um, I, I, I do think they missed the postseason this year. Given all those things, and, and you know as well as I do, you know, Clemson, you know, they're going to have facilities. Georgia is going to have facilities. Every, every school that you're looking at is going to have, like, a lot of really positive things. So what, what was it about Mississippi State? And, you know, I know that you got some input from your family, but why inevitably did you choose to go to Mississippi State? There, Mississippi State, like, when I was going on my visits – so I didn't even like Mississippi State was not even a thought. Like I didn't even know where, like I didn't know where Mississippi State was. Like I knew, like I didn't know really what it was about. Um, you know, because like being in Georgia, you just like just the the schools around there within like a, a a two three mile mile radius right there. But um, you know they reached out, they wanted me to come on a visit. So I was like, all right, I'll go on a visit. And, um, you know, I did some, looked up some stuff, did some research on, on what Mississippi state baseball was about. And, um, you know, seeing the crazy fan base, the, just the baseball culture, the baseball culture was a really big part in why I ended up coming here. But, um, the, the, what they were planning with the new dude, um, you know, the, the facilities were like top notch. I mean, and, and, and especially now with, uh, the new stadium, like I'm sure everywhere else, like they're doing upgrades and everything too, but I can't imagine many schools having better player facilities than, than we do right now. And, um, you know, we got the Palmero center, we got, we're, we're in the process of building a new weight room just for baseball. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things in the works and, and, you know, we, we get probably on average like nine to 10,000 people at every single game um, on the weekends. So 
I mean, there was like, there was nothing bad about Mississippi State. Like everything was good. Like I loved everything about it. And that, that was like, that was a big thing was I couldn't find anything wrong with it. So if you committed your sophomore year, how much more or how better did you feel because your junior and senior year of high school, they would have made runs to Omaha. So that had to make the process of you making that commitment feel that much better. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. You know, you want to go into a winning program and, and compete with really good players. And I knew I had picked a really good school to, to be, to be in a spot to, to compete against, you know, the, the best players in the country and, and play at the best stadium in the country. All right. So, you know, you did your visit, like you said, but once you officially arrive in Starkville, you are now enrolled, you're a student. Um, were you nervous? Were you excited? What were the emotions? No, I, I was definitely nervous. Um, you know, the nerves were huge because like you said, you know, those two Omaha runs back to back years, um, you know, the juniors and the leaders of the team and the older guys, like, I mean, you're watching them on TV for two years straight. Um, you know, it's, it's intimidating. Like, um, I think any, I, I think if anybody says different, they'd be lying to you. Cause, cause you know, you, you get into that locker room and you're like, Holy cow, like that's Jordan Westberg. That's, that's Justin Foskey. That's Tanner Allen. That's Rowdy Jordan. Um, you know, that like, you don't, it, there's, for me, there was like a sense of like, I don't even believe that, I, like I'm here. Um, so you like, and going into the fall, like my first few outings, it was kind of just like, like I was just happy to be there, um, you know, playing for Mississippi State. Um, and then, you know, a switch flipped and, and I kind of got some confidence and, you know, I wanted to go out there and, you know, obviously from the get go, I wanted to go out there and win a job, but, you know, halfway through the fall, it kind of, it kind of flipped. And, um, you know, I got into that mode where, where I wanted to be the best guy on the field, no matter what. Um, and, you know, if you don't think that on the baseball field there, there's not going to be a whole lot of success. Yeah, no, absolutely. First to, to what you said about, you know, the big names being there. Like you said, you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't get um, a little intimidated, a little starstruck. And then, like you said, you know, as far as confidence, if you don't have confidence in yourself, it's going to be hard to be successful. But, you know, we're talking about nerves. And, you know, without seeing the game myself and, you know, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at the box score and the stat sheet when I was preparing for this. Your, your very first outing was the very first game of the season freshman year. Didn't record an out. You walk two and you hit a batter. So is that nerves? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I was throwing in front of 10,000 people. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't think I took a breath on the mound. Um, but, yeah, I, like my first pitch was I hit I hit my first batter with my first collegiate pitch. Um, so <laughs> really they really are angry. Yeah, I, I was angry after that outing. Um, and I, and it was embarrassing. Like, you know, I was embarrassed to be out there, you know, in front of 10,000 people for the first time. And, and this is the first time they're seeing me and they're they're I know in everybody's heads, they're like, who is this guy? Like, why is he pitching? He sucks. And, um, you know, that's the good and the bad thing about, um, being on the stage at Mississippi state is, um, you know, you got so many people watching you and, and it's almost, 
the fans almost treat it like a, a professional team. And, and if you're not doing well, like, um, you know, you feel the pressure of that, you know, naturally, um, with, without anybody saying anything, you feel the pressure of that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's sometimes the hard, it, it's hard to perform under that if you're not doing well. Um, and that goes back to the confidence thing is you, you always have to have confidence in yourself and who you are and, and the fact that you belong there and, and you should be on the field playing at Mississippi state. And, um, you know, that, that was, I knew I was going to get another opportunity after that outing. And, um, you know, I got one on that Sunday and I went out there with confidence, you know, baseball's a sport where you gotta, you gotta forget about the, the, the day before and, and seize every opportunity. Um, so I went out there and I, I think I actually struck out the side on that Sunday. So, um, that, that was a big, a big thing for me was that, that Sunday outing after that, uh, the first outing. Yeah, absolutely. That's right where I was going to go was that next outing that you did strike out the side indeed and, um, and you got a perfect inning of work. So it felt like, yeah, you definitely, that's why I said, I thought it was a nervous thing without seeing it myself. When you look at that and you see your, your first performance, you hit someone and then walk two, but then your next one, you strike out the side, that tells me nerves probably played a role because it's the same team, um, as well. So, um, I'm not going to spend too much time on the freshman season just because we know it got shortened by COVID. I'm not going to ask you about it. We've asked all your teammates. We've asked all these players. There's no one that feels good about it. It makes almost everybody sick to their stomach. So I really just want to ask you, um, you know, about two games and, you know, which one did, you know, which one was a better feeling? Um, and, man, I hope I said – I should have asked uh, Daniel before this episode started, uh, is it Winnipeg or is it Quinnipiac? How do you say Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac, I think. <laughs> yeah, I should have looked that up. Um, you know, what was uh, for your freshman season, you know, like I said, being short, what was better, that or the Texas Tech outing? Um, I think the Texas Tech one. Um, the Quinnipiac one, that, that one was really fun because that, that was my first win. Um, and, you know, Will Bednar actually started that game. And me and him, you know, we came in together and, you know, competing against each other and, obviously y'all saw what he did and, and how great of a competitor and how great of a baseball player he is. But that one was pretty special because, you know, he got to start that game and I got to finish it and I picked up the win. Um, but the Texas tech one was, was pretty special too, because, um, you know, I came in with the bases loaded and, and, you know, in, in front of a sold out crowd in Biloxi, but um, the, I just had a, 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 a sense of calm, like calmness when I was on the mound there. And, um, you know, I, I carried that with me, uh, into this season. And it's actually funny because I entered with bases loaded in the game against Texas tech. And that was my last outing last year. And then my first outing this year, I entered with bases loaded as well. Um, but the Texas tech one was big for me because, you know, like they, they, they could compete in the sec with everybody else. So that was just like, that was like an SEC series right there, just on a midweek, um, you know, sold out crowd, 7,000, 8,000 people there, how many ever that um, stadium holds. But that was huge for this year because, um, you know, I, I feel like I built off of that success and knew I could do it. Um, but that was really fun too. Uh, you know, I, I struck out a few guys and, you know, we won that game. We, we, we felt like we were proving ourselves. And then, you know, obviously the season ended, but um, that was, that was probably my favorite outing of freshman year for sure. Yeah. So, you know, 
the season ends, obviously, all that stuff happens. Like I said, we're not going to get back into it. But we had, right after y'all's Fall World Series, we had Cam and Josh Hatcher on to talk about that. And that was when I think the whole nation just watching y'all because – you know, that's that's the best part about when you're on such a loaded team like your team. When you have the Fall World Series, you have two full rostered teams going against each other that are elite. So you're getting season preparation. All right, man, let's get into it this year. You know, first of all, let me tell you that I was so excited. I had my tickets to go to Arlington. To, to go to Globe Life Field, as you know about the snow, because, you know, Starkville got it too. Um, man, I have a car that is not made to drive in it at all. Got buried in the foot of snow. Um, luckily, Globe Life um, actually refunded me my tickets, but I was supposed to be there. And the reason I bring that up right off the top is because out of that entire weekend, I would have to say, that your performance in the first game and Daniel's fixing to play a clip was probably the most exciting part. And I hate, I missed it in person. Go ahead, Daniel. Make the play. There Do it so, and that's it. What a weapon landing Sims. What a comeback for Hale State. I mean, I'm watching that game and I watch you, as you said, you know, coming off the season before you come in with bases loaded nobody out in that stadium you know I mean you say that you know you're a confident guy but there's got to be some nerves in that situation right um I mean that like there was like there was a little bit but it was more just like I was so excited to play again like it, I mean we it had been a whole year since we had played um and uh, you, I mean, y'all probably won't believe this, but I, when I came into the game, like when I was warming up in the bullpen, I had no idea the bases were loaded. <laughs> I didn't know how many outs there were. Um, I thought, I thought, so somebody had gotten a hit and there were guys on first and second, I think. And I thought the guy on second had, uh, scored. So I thought, I, I thought it was like first and second. And then obviously like when I came into the game, I, I realized that it was bases loaded, but, um, what helped me and this helped me a lot this year too, is just like focusing on what I needed to do in the bullpen. Um, just so I don't get caught up in what's happening in the game and, um, you know, overthink, uh, overthink stuff and get myself worked up. Um, but no, it like, I was just so excited to be out there and, and, you know, playing again, like, yeah, I mean, I asked, but you know, you didn't look it at all. And as a matter of fact, I mean, you looked absolutely amped, you know, as much as I watched you the entire, I mean, there's very rarely did I miss y'all all season and you're always pumped. And that's why I always tell you, I mean, electric is the word that defines you, but you were extra amped. And then yep. you come in there and strike out the side. And I swear to you, Landon, I, I know you're probably not going to remember what the, the signs and the pitches were, but I don't think you do anything other than a fastball, dude. I think you just straight blew by all of them. Yeah, it was it was all fastballs that inning. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Just come out there and straight heat. Yeah, it, it was all fastballs. Um, but I actually got into two, three, one counts right in that inning, and I had to work my way back to strike those guys out. But um, that's probably why I didn't throw any off speed, just because I was working behind. But um, no, I came in there and threw all fastballs, and um, 
you know, that picture of me coming off the mound, it just like, I can still see it in my, in my head now. Like, um, you know, right before I struck that third guy out, um, just the, just the, the craziness, like it, I mean, the, you know, COVID sucked and everything, but it was all like, it was all worth it right there in that point. Um, you know, everything built up from, from a year ago, um, you know, just being out there again and, and there were actually, you know, a good amount of fans there. Yeah, um, but it doesn't but it doesn't end with that inning. I mean, you go four innings of perfect ball, man, and strike out 10. Like you are the talk. I mean, could you ever you have confidence in yourself, but could you ever expected you to dominate in such a way and be the guy that I'm telling you, I, I watched all the shows afterward. I watched every game in that weekend, and that was the most talked about performance of all of it. Um, like I had a lot of confidence going into that season. Um, you know, I had a good spring before the season started. Um, you know, I got my velo up a little bit from what it was at. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I never expected to go, to go 12 up, 12 down against, um, you know, UT and have 10 Ks. Um, I don't think anybody expects that. Uh, but, but that really got everything going this year. I mean, just the the amount of confidence I had after that in myself and and um you know it goes back to the whole confidence thing like you've got to have confidence to be able to compete especially in the SEC um you know the SEC is a it's a brutal a brutal brutal conference and it'll it'll come up and bite you real quick if you don't have any confidence um but yeah no I mean that was the best start of the year that could have ever ever possibly happened yeah, so, I mean, like I said, you know, you have that, and then most of the season, I mean, you know, you were in cruise control, man. Like, if you came out there, you were getting the save, you were shutting it down, or if you did relief innings, I mean, you know, I, I spent a lot of time – look, I fanboy people a lot. When I become a fan of you, like, I will fight to the death for you. Daniel, Daniel will tell you that. So, when I like somebody – so. I'm on Twitter and Instagram arguing with people. Landon Sims is better than cops. We can argue <laughs> it all day. I, I said, this dude is the most electrifying pitcher in baseball. And, like, the stats were actually backing me up. I kept posting them throughout the season. And, I mean, you had the better ERA. You had the, the best strikeout to walk ratio. Like, and, I mean, you weren't giving up, I think, at the point uh, in which I was even posting up. I think you'd only given up one run all season at the time. And so, I mean, you, for the mass majority of the season, you really seem to be in cruise control when you're out there. I mean, am I wrong? Um, no, I mean, I did. I, I was very lucky to have a lot of success this year. Like, um, you know, like Daniel said earlier, there's a lot of luck that goes into baseball. Um, and, you know, I, obviously it's not all luck, but uh, you know, the, the, the ball did roll my way sometimes and, uh, you know, I, I did get lucky a few times um, just because it's don't discredit the hard work because it takes a lot of effort and a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice to have the opportunity to have luck flow your way. So, right. You got to you got to you got to remember that, too. Now, like, don't don't sell yourself short because, I mean, we talk, we, we know we know what you guys go through, but I, I'll. I'll, I'll validate everything that Jim said by, by telling you this, your name came up in text threads multiple times on like a weekly basis. And then probably 35 times at least 
as the weekend approached. And so I, I started just, and I think this running joke started with you because I just got tired of Landon Sims, Landon Sims, Landon Sims, Landon Sims. And I was like, I get it. Like he's phenomenal. <laughs> but, like, but Hey, but so, validate that Randy was on the other side. Our host he, is not here. He is a cops guy all the way. Yeah. So what got, I, cops what, is cops was special this year. I mean, he, he was unreal. So what I what I eventually ended up doing with Jim is I every time he mentioned Landon Sims, I was like, who's that? Or <laughs> or you know, Tanner Allen. I'm like, who's that? Oh yeah. That's funny. That's awesome. Um, but no, cops this year was unreal. I mean, his the season and numbers he put up was that's that's probably the best college baseball season a pitcher might ever put up. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about the SEC, and since you don't mind giving, you know, props to other players, I mean, because we had Taylor Broadway on, who was a guest, and he had an amazing year. We had Devin Fondo. I mean, the closers in the SEC, I mean, it's legit. And that's why, like, for you to do what you do and to be at the top of that discussion um, is a pretty big deal because there was so much talent. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter who's better at the end of the day. Um, I know this. Y'all got the title and they didn't get to Omaha. So, yeah. hey, he, you know, he, he gets his award. You got your award. So, yeah, 100%. No, I'd rather have the national championship than a, than a personal accolade every day of the week. Yeah, no doubt. And I think most of our guests would, uh, would agree. Uh, I mean, that's what you went there for. You went there to win a national championship, not an individual uh, accolade. But, you know, everything wasn't good. And, and, uh, be glad that our other host isn't here because he is a Tennessee fan. And there is an outing that I, I have to ask you about in the SEC tournament. And I, and I tell you what, it, it left the door open for, for him and, and his cops argument because he said, your boy got lit up. What happened against Tennessee in the SEC tournament? Um, it, it's just a combination of everything. Um, you know, I felt like I had good stuff that day. Um, you know, back to the luck thing. I feel like, uh, you know, I ran out of a little bit of luck because, um, you know, to start off the inning they had, you know, I, I got – I missed some barrels, but they were still hits. Um, so that's where the luck thing, um, you know, in baseball, you know, sometimes it won't go your way. But um, it, it was just a lack of focus, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it just – just going in and, like – just nobody really wanted to to play it at nine o'clock in the morning, <laughs> right? We, I mean, we had to go back to like when we were when we were younger, but no, it it was just a lack of focus, and it, it's like baseball is the craziest game in the world. Like it'll humble you so quick, and um, yeah, you know, I gave up four runs with with out recording. Well, or with I recorded one out. Um, but like they were really good. I mean, they were a really good team and and they hit me well. And um, you know, it, it came at the best time possible because it came it came right before the uh the postseason started and um you know it, it humbled me real quick. But you know, I didn't lose my confidence just because I knew how the game was. Do you um, think it benefited your you know, you talk about it humbled you. Do you think it benefited the entire team to basically get punched in the mouth like that in both those SEC tournament games? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was a wake up call and and I mean, we weren't just going to roll out of bed and, and win ball games like at, at at that point in time, like everybody was playing for something, um, you know, late in the season, you know, the regular season's over like it's it's nut crunch time and 
and you got to you got to play your best baseball like every inning, every out, um, you know, every pitch. You got to play your best baseball. Um, but it, it, that was really big for us. And in another big weekend for us was the Missouri weekend. You know, um, people talk about all the time about how some losses are needed and and those those all four of those losses and in, in those five. Yeah, five games. Um, they were all needed. Uh, and, and and they would played a big part in us winning the national championship, I think. Well, well I wasn't gonna bring up Missouri, but since you since you brought it up, um, that's where I can put the dispute about you being some angry individual, right? So maybe there is a, a switch that you flip when you're on the field, but I got, you know, we talked after that game and you took a picture with my son and you signed a ball for him and then you were with your family. And, you know, you didn't seem bothered at all. And you seem like the nicest guy in the world. So that's why I have to dispute that because you just took a loss to the worst team in the SEC. And yet, I mean, you're signing balls for kids. You're taking pictures, you know, you're with your family. So um, I think it's a, I think it is a switch thing you flip on. Cause I think off the field, I think, I think you're a good dude. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, thank you. But no, I mean, after those losses, like it, like baseball is the craziest sport in the world. I mean, like anybody can beat anybody on any any given day. Um, you know, it's not like football, like, you know, Alabama playing whoever. Like there is there's a there's just a big there's a big drop off. And in, in baseball, like there can be one dude who's on the mound and he just shoves it up your butt that day. You know, right. like he just I mean, he's on his A game and and art like it, it can go either way. And um, you know, it happened that weekend against Missouri. And, um, you know, like I said, that was really good for us. Yeah, no. And I was in attendance, like I said, and uh, Cam's dad had given me the tickets. And he actually he was so frustrated with that series that he told me that I wasn't um, getting his tickets anymore, which <laughs> we hey, we put that to rest since I went to Omaha. So I'm not I'm not bad luck by no means. And I was there for the Kentucky series. But, yeah, that was that was tough to watch. And that was that was one of them times where you talked about the the fans and the stands can turn on you. I hadn't ever experienced them turn like that. And man, when y'all, when y'all started giving up runs uh, at will to Missouri, they, yeah, that was the first time I had seen them, but you know, like you said, you, you needed that. So y'all had that happen. You had the sec tournament happen, but then obviously you get to regional play. Luckily it didn't affect y'all being able to host. Um, so y'all, y'all were able to, you know, have that happen. So tell me about the atmosphere now. So we've talked about playing in front of, you know, 10,000 on an average. When you get to that first regional, you know, and y'all are hosting, I mean, how crazy is that crowd? Uh, it's it's really crazy. Um, you know, in the regional against VCU, um, I think it was a Saturday, um, and there had been some rain. So the So the game got pushed back a little bit, but, I mean, there were just an unbelievable amount of people there. And not only were there a lot of people there, like – they were all locked in on every single pitch and just the, the, the craziness, the feel like the atmosphere was just unreal. And, 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 and I hadn't experienced anything like that at duty noble before. And, you know, the older guys, they were like, wait till regionals, you know, wait till super regionals. Like it's a different feel here. And, and that's when I first felt it. Like, the, the the chills I got were were unreal and and it was like the whole entire game I had chills. 
Well, I believed in the dude effect after that first game in Super Regionals because um, me and Daniel and Randy are texting throughout that game, and, and, you know, Notre Dame is making mistakes. And that place was crazy. And clearly it showed what it's like when you're playing in a hostile environment in which y'all had set the attendance record. Right. And you, so you're playing in front of 15,000 people going crazy maroon and white. And, and it showed there because you had a team who had the least defensive mistakes in the country – all of a sudden making mistakes left and right and acting like, you know, they didn't know what to do. So it really speaks to what it's like, uh, you know, with the dude effect, but on the super regionals, I have a major bone to pick with you. All right. If, if you were watching from TV and you weren't there, the commentators were the most obnoxious commentators (laughs) ever. And Daniel, do you remember why? I mean, that guy for Notre Dame, they, they they thought that dude was, Jesus Christ. They were calling him the Greek God. And even though he, for the first two games, couldn't get a hit to save his life, they were still talking about him. And so then, Landon, you hadn't given up a home run all season, my man. And you let this dude give these commentators what they wanted. And according according to your boy Houston last episode, he said that ball still hasn't landed – um, NASA might actually have to send a flight out to retrieve that ball. They did. That's why Jeff Bezos went to space. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were locating that baseball, man. Yeah. They'll, I mean, they'll have to get a few of the ones that Hootie gave up this year, too. So, Ooh, um, hey, hey, Hayden Leatherwood was hey, all over him today. Especially the Leatherwood from uh, Ole Miss. I think he gave up two that in that same game, actually. Absolutely. I actually, I actually was giving grief uh, first thing this morning. Uh, Hayden had listened to the episode, and he said, hey, man, how, how come you didn't bring up when I when I hit two bombs off of him? And I was like, man, I forgot all about it, and honestly, I'm not going to attack, attack my guests. Now, the only reason I'm attacking you right now is because, like I said, this guy, like, golly. And like Daniel said, I mean, you, you would have thought he was the greatest player on the planet. So when he hits this bomb, even though they're losing that game, Still, I believe, like, about four or five yeah, runs. Yeah, he made it. It was 11-5. He hit a two-run home run. And you would have thought they were winning the game now because this dude finally gave them what they wanted. And I was like, in real time, I was like, how's he going to give up his first bomb to this cat and give them what they want? So I was like, I'm mad at him. You, yeah, you know no, the, he's a really good player, though. That guy's a really good player. You know the most demoralizing thing is that dude hits the ball, crosses the plate, and then the next batter steps in and realizes he's still facing Landon Sim. <laughs> like, oh, man. I actually, after that inning, um, I did, it was in the seventh inning. And then the, uh, the eighth inning, I came back out. And, um, like, I found my slider just out of nowhere. Like, it was, it was really, really good. And um, I, I think I struck out the side. But I know for sure I struck out two guys. But um, – that eighth inning was just like the stadium was so loud. Like it was absolutely electric. Like that was the first time I had been on the mound and been like on the rubber and been like, holy crap. Like it is unbelievably loud in here right now. So y'all win the super regional and you punch your ticket. And so I've heard some rumors about the dog pile. Man, t- tell me about how a special moment kind of got sideways for you. <laughs> well, I mean, like, so it's 11-7. First two guys get on. They, first two guys get hits. So 
I mean, I'm not going to, like, I was a little nervous. I was like, oh, man, like, <laughs> this, I mean, I wasn't really thinking this, but it was definitely in the back of my head. Like, if I blow this right here, I'm going to be the most hated guy on campus. And um, so first and second, and then I strike the guy out. And then Cavadas comes up to bat. And just in my head, I was like, all right, I'm not throwing this guy fastball again. So I threw him three sliders and, and um, you know, I got him to ground into a double play. And, um, you know, just because of how, how high the stakes were, like the emotions were through the roof right there when I got that final out. So, I mean, that, that was like the most excited I had ever been to, to win a game, obviously, and, and punch our ticket to Omaha. And then that got cut short real quick when um, – I felt like I was getting smushed into the ground by about 35 guys. Um, and I was like, I was instantly just like, get off, get off. And, um, you know, like five seconds after I tell them to get off for the first time, like I still see guys jumping on top. So. <laughs> like um, I was down there miserable for a few seconds, but once we cleared that, you know, everything was back to back to good normal. Well, the good news is because you played football, you know what the dog piles are like then, and it's usually with opposing players, and it gets a little rough under there. So at least you ain't got nobody punching you up underneath. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets yeah, it gets rough on the bottom of, uh, of the dog pile in football. So, so I got to ask you a question that wasn't planned on this podcast because it just came through to me via text. Um, Greg James wants to know how. You're so good at baseball that he is cleaning your apartment's carpet tonight. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know how I got worked into that, but, um, you know, I'm just – I'm glad he, he he could do it and I didn't have to. That that guy is something special. I ask Cameron all the time, who's more popular in Mississippi State, you or your dad? He's like, my dad, easily. And anytime I'm out there, you know, out there talking to you guys or, you know, my son son's getting autographs or pictures – he knows it. He knows everybody. And now he's out there cleaning apartments. So yeah. Mr. Greg knows everybody. You, you ought to be cleaning his, his floors for punking out and not throwing that dude an, another fastball. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, you know, I, I was a little, I was, my, my heart hurt a little bit to hear that three sliders and you were, were you afraid to throw him another fastball? No, I, no, I wasn't afraid, but if he was going to beat me, I was going to let him do it hitting another pitch than the one he just hit 500 feet. I'm okay with it. He did what it took to win, Daniel. Hey, I'm, hey I, you know, if you feel that way, like I'm, I'm all good with it because we won and I, I got him to ground into that double play. Absolutely. All right. So Daniel talked about how meaningful it was for, for me to watch you guys and – you know, I was really on the fence about going to Omaha, right? And, you know, Greg was a was one of the, the main guys. Daniel was one of the main guys. They're like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience that you can do with your son. My son's nine. Um, he's been on the fence about playing baseball again. And so, you know, I took this opportunity, and we were going to go there, and we were going to be all in with Mississippi State. And so, uh, you know, we went to Omaha. And so before we get into, you know, I'm telling you all my emotions for a reason. I want to know what your emotions were like. And I don't mean like nervous. I mean, like, did y'all go there and like with this excitement? Did you have fun or was it all business? Um, 
I mean, it was, it was a lot of business. Like, um, you know, we were there to do, to do the one thing we did, but I mean, like we had plenty of time to have fun too. Like, I mean, we had a day off in between every game, um, you know, didn't want to do too much on our feet. And it was, I mean, it was unbelievably hot. Like, you know, like it was just stupid hot out there. Um, I can only imagine I was hot watching. So if you're playing, I mean, I, I got you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, luckily we played the night game every time, but, um, no, like, I mean, we, like, if you're not having fun doing what we were doing in Omaha, soaking all that up, like I, you did it wrong. So, to say it was no fun, like I'd be lying, but it was, I mean, it was a lot of business. Like, um, you know, once we started playing, like we were, we were there to do what we did. And, and, um, you know, I, I took, we all took it very seriously. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have a theory and I sent it to these guys. So, you know, all the teams did their like hype videos or whatever, where y'all had fun. You were part of it. It's like five or six players and the coach and y'all's, you didn't seem very loose, whereas, like, Tennessee seemed like party crazy type. And then, you know, they were two and done. And so there was that, – that was, like, kind of, like, what I get from it. Y'all were kind of business when you got there, and it, and it showed. So y'all are a little less fun in the video, but you were winning games. So I think I think there's some correlation there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we still had fun with it. I don't know if you saw the one video, but me and Bednar were, were holding Hootie back. He was acting like a dog. That That was funny. Um, and you know, coach Lamotis was in there and we were giving him a hard time for what he was doing and, um, you know, all that, but, you know, I mean, we had fun with it, but, um, I mean, they got you, they got you pointing to the, to the watch, what time it is. I mean, Hey, that, that's the, that's the best part. And man, you know, social media has drove me nuts a lot of the time this year, but not when it comes to you, I think. You know, and maybe that plays a part into why I message Daniel so much. When you're coming in, dude, Twitter blows up with it's it's Landon's time, it's Sims' times. You know, like I told you, they'll use any word that, that's you know electrifying, throwing smoke, whatever. Like people people get excited, dude. Landon's coming in, like let's go. And so in that video, you know, you were pointing to your watch, saying what time it was. So it was good. But let's talk about you know, let's talk about the gameplay. Let's talk about on the diamond. You know. Um, you started the season with Texas and, and, you know, um, that ended up being your next, I believe that was your, that was your first, uh, pitching was against Texas, correct? In mm -hmm. Omaha. Mm -hmm. So so you started there and then here you are in Omaha facing them again. What's the mindset? Um, just kind of the same thing. Like, Will, I mean, obviously will, like he had success throwing fastballs, um, in the upper part of the zone. I mean, 15 strikeouts is just stupid. Um, but, like, I knew because of the, the outing I had, like, they were going to want – they were going to want to get to me and, um, you know, prove that they could beat me and, um, you know, whatnot. But um, I just went in there with the same mindset that I had all year. Um, you know, I didn't want to change anything. Um, you know, I knew from prior experience and from Will that I could have uh, success with my fastball up. And, um, you know, I did in those first two innings and then they got to me a little bit in the last inning, uh, you know, Antico hit that home run off of me and, um, and then I got two outs and then Ivan Melendez who hit that three run bomb to force the, uh, you know, uh, last game before the, the finals, um, 
he put up like a 12 pitch at bat. I don't know if it was 12 pitches, but that's what it felt like 30 pitches. <laughs> but, um, and he got a three, two hit off of me. And, um, you know, they ended up having first and third with two outs and a two to one ball game. And, um, you know, I squeezed through right there and got the save, but, um, the mindset didn't change too much. Just, you know, keeping the same confidence and, um, you know, keeping the same mound presence and, and whatnot. So, Speaking of Texas in that first game, um, you know, I kind of glossed over it, but, you know, I asked Houston about it and we talked about it. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I was very conflicted. You know, you got in the rain delay and it was going to be really long. But like I told you, you know, Cade Smith is my boy and he was going to be pitching. So it's like, man, I want to stay and watch. And, and I, I told Houston, I remember the time it was one one oh four a.m. when he when he got on that diamond and, and started to throw. But I wanted to ask you the same question I had asked him. How cool was it to see, like, I don't have an exact number, but I, I told him I venture to say 5,000 Mississippi State fans that stuck around to 1 a.m. And they got as loud as they did, as I ever heard them the entire College World Series. And, like, it was cool. Like, I mean, just to see that that kind of loyalty and willingness to stay – and watch you guys, and I thought y'all might pull it out. You know, y'all ended up getting two yeah. men on, and and I, I thought I thought there was a chance. Yeah, um, you know, we feel that constant support from them all the time. But um, you know, all of them, you know, they they came up closer to the field, and um, we could hear them even louder. And and it was funny because there were a lot of Texas fans that stayed around too, um, and they they were kind of trying to outdo each other and and be louder than the other. Which, they were which, easily the two best fan bases by far. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the Texas fan base is really good, really proud, and, and deep. Um, but there's I, there you can't convince me that there's a better fan base than the Mississippi State fan base. Um, okay, no doubt. I mean, I think the whole state of Mississippi came to the College World Series finals. Like, I mean, it was like 95% Mississippi State, 5% Vanderbilt. It, yeah. And, like, people say that plays like – like a, a factor into, into how well we do, but like it, I mean, it really does like, um, you know, I'll get to experience it this year when we get to, when we get to play in, in Fayetteville and college station and, and in Oxford, like of, of, of a fan base having majority of their uh, fan base there. Um, and I, I'll feel, well, hopefully I won't, but um, you know, there, there's a little bit of pressure that comes with playing against that. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into that final game and everything, which, I mean, I guess part of this question does play into that final game. But, you know, um, we talked to Houston about, you know, getting to watch Will and his success. But I get to ask you the double question. How much fun is it to watch? Because, you know, you've talked about how much you're a team guy watching Will and Houston have success as a closer, um, watching them, you know, be able to, to do so well. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's awesome. Um, both of those guys deserve the world. Um, you know, Will getting drafted 14th overall, he deserves every little bit of that. And, um, you know, Hootie signing that free agent deal with the angels. Um, you know, he talked just all the time. He just wanted somebody to give him a chance and he's a really, really hard worker. Um, you know, he worked his butt off in the off season to, to get his velocity up. Um, and he did, and he knew if he did that, um, you know, that there was a, there was a good chance he was going to be able to sign a free agent deal. 
and you know that happened and um you know just to see the hard work pay off for those guys it's i mean just watching from from the side and watching them get to do what they do like it's awesome um you know both of them deserve all the success that they've had and and in the continued success that they're going to have and um you know i know they're going to have success in whatever they do if that you know if 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 neither of them end up making the bigs or if both of them end up making the bigs like um you know they'll be successful in whatever they do just because of how how good of people they are and um you know how hard how hard how hard they work yeah absolutely so let me ask you a, another question you know because in those final two games you know we talk about the pitching but y'all scored a ton of runs so i'm going to put you on the spot here and I don't want you to pick somebody because they're your best friend. You know, y'all, when y'all are putting up that much offense, if you can watch any one player on your team hit a bomb, who is it? Um, Logan Tanner, just because it's always it's going to go the farthest. <laughs> and a well, lot of times it's opposite field, too. Yeah, he is a lot of oppo power. Kellum Clark, too, is, is when he gets a hold of one, like, I mean, y'all saw in the last game, but – well, both of them, actually. Both of them. It was actually the, the one that he hit in the prior game. Dude, that thing left in a hurry. Yeah, against Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Like, he's he's going to be such a special player. And, and um, you know, Logan already is a really special player. But both of them can get a hold of a baseball and hit it, uh, hit it a long way. Absolutely. All right, so let's get to it, man. You know, um, I sent you the video clip. Um, you know, I sat in every – possible spot in Omaha whether it was behind home plate whether it was left field right field whatever well for that game I happened to be you know in the upper deck on first base side so I had a direct view of the bullpen and I saw you warming up and I saw you at the fence ready to come in and I'm telling you my whole section no different than I tell you Twitter did when everybody saw you coming in the game they were calling game time game over it's it we're champions like and I felt the same thing so like, how amped are you? Because, I mean, first of all, you got a huge lead. So, you know, it's not like you're coming in and that base is loaded, nobody out. But also, like, I mean, you know that if you shut this thing, you are a national champion. I mean, how excited are you to take the mound right there? Um, I mean, I was I was really prepared to come in a lot earlier than I did because, um, you know, Will was going on three days rest. And, <laughs> I mean, that's just an unbelievably difficult thing to do. And, and he goes six no-hit innings. Like, I mean, that was unreal. But, um, like, I, I think I went down there in, like, the second or third inning. Like, and and when I was going to get the ball, like, if I had to throw 180 pitches, obviously <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. But, um, you know, I was finishing that game if I got the ball. Um, just because that, like, I mean, I told my coaches that, too. I was like, once y'all give me the ball, it's my game to finish. I'm um, – so, like, at any point in time, like, whenever they were going to give me the ball, like, I was ready to go. And, um, you know, coming into a – coming into the game with a nine-run lead, um, <laughs> you can't really ask for, for much more than that. So, I just went in there trying to throw strikes. Like, obviously, we had the no-hitter. I gave up the no-hitter, whatever. It was one hit, though, right? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world. Like, Wait, somebody, wait, 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 wait. You didn't wait, give up a wait. moonshot bomb like you did. Wait, 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 wait. Come on now. We're not just going to glance over the fact that you gave up a hit. Come on now. No, like we will because 
um, <laughs> because we won the national championship. And that's, that's all I was worried about at that point. Like in the, in the post game um, interview with the media, like somebody asked me, they were like, it was something along the lines, like, how did it feel to give up that hit? And I, like, I just laughed. I was like, I mean, really? <laughs> like, the, the only person who reserved the right to ask you that question is Will. And he's like, well, what's up, man? You gave up a hit, bro. Oh, yeah. Like, I told, I apologized to him. Like, what, like, obviously, like, it would have been unbelievable if we could have thrown the no, the combined no hitter because, you know, we had set that record in the first game of the world's, of the World Series with the strikeouts. And I, I'm sure that would have been another record if, um, if we would have finished out that no hitter. But, um like nobody cared that i gave up that hit <laughs> like yeah, i didn't i didn't care hey man i just wanted to see no, it like, finish it off look no, let me no, let me, like let, me tell you, let me tell you something i don't care how high will bednar got drafted that dude cares <laughs> I, I, he might have a little bit he didn't show it at all he, um, pro- he probably texted Lamonis the next day and was like, dude, I told you you should have left me in. <laughs> you might be right. You might no, be right. there's there's no way. I mean, you, you, you if you do that, you run the risk of arguably your best guy sitting in the bullpen the whole game. Like that's not you're not getting value out of you by doing that. Like you gotta come in the game. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. Off. He he's messing with you, and that's the thing, Landon. I was texting him throughout the game, and Daniel, you remember I texted you, I said shouldn't they leave Bednar in? He's got a no-hitter. And your text to me was, no, you bring in your guy and close this thing down and let's just get it over with. Yeah, especially because Will was on the short rest. And and then we had that long inning um, in the seventh inning. And um, it was just kind of – they just the coaches were kind of just like, you, you, run a, you run a risk of injury at that point because Will was on such, such short rest. And um, – he had thrown like 75 pitches or something like that. Um, but no, I mean, I was upset when I gave up the the hit, but at the same time, I was pretty, pretty happy when we held that trophy up. All right. So we're going to talk dog pile again, but now we're going to correlate the stories that got. So when we asked Houston where he went on the dog pile, he actually said because of what had happened in super regionals, he tried to get on the bottom so you and Logan didn't end up on the bottom and have to take the brunt of it. Is that true or is he lying about being a hero? I think that's true, but I would have no idea because like that that like span of like 35 seconds, whatever it was, was the craziest 35 seconds of my life because we're winning nine to nothing. There's one out left and the hitter puts down a bunt. Like, first of all, I was like, what in the world? Second of all, I think he was safe. And third of all, I thought Coach Corbin was going to challenge the play. So, like, I, it's just like my mind was going like 17,000 different ways at that point. Um, but, like, the celebration, like, I, I just didn't know what to do because I didn't know if, like, the umpire was going to call him safe, if, like, there was going to be a review um you know all that well hey let's let's run it back in your memory real quick daniel hit that clip pushes a bunt to third james to first he's out what a way to end it 
and what a way to end a drought. Mississippi State, the national champions, destroying Vanderbilt 9-0. I love that, destroying Vanderbilt. <laughs> But hey, let me tell you why that that play needed to happen in in my mind. On um, you know, you talk about the bunt. Um, you know, obviously uh, Kim is my guy, man, and I support that dude. And he took a lot of criticism defensively. And as you know, he sharpened up as the season ended. And for him to be able to make the final play defensively, I thought was great and um, kind of silenced a lot of haters. Even though it wasn't you know the hardest play in the world, he did have to he did have to make a you know, a decently hard play and it was to finish it off. So I'm actually kind of glad it went that way as opposed to, you know, you getting another strikeout and just doing what you always do. No, no, I'm happy too, because like me and Cam, like, um, you know, since we got here, like that's my boy, we're best friends. So um, for me to throw the last pitch and for him to make the last out, like um, that was really fun. And, and I was super proud of the way he, he played um, those last few weeks and, and, you know, made the haters eat their own words and, and played unbelievable defense and, and hit the ball real well. Yeah, let me ask you a question in regards to that. It, we, we've had a lot of discussion. Um, Cam is the nicest dude, but for whatever reason, of all players on your team, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a social media rap, man. I read what people say. For whatever reason, if anybody makes a mistake, of all the people who take it, they, they get on to the most, it's Cam. Well, why, why are they always hating on Cam? I don't know. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Cause like, I mean, he's an unbelievable player um, and an even better person. So like, I, I don't really understand why the the fans do that. And, um, yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. You know, I don't, I don't, it, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me, but you know, like I said, it, it, stinks, it, that people, it stinks that people are like that, but um, you know, people, people will be like that. Um, no matter what you do, good or bad. Well, you know, um, one more thing I want to – or really two more things. I, I, first, I wanted to say once again, you know, solidifying the uh, the nice guy thing. Of course, y'all came off a win. Um, I got lucky enough to, to run into you in the hotel hallway, and the significance of that was my son again. You know, um, he had his hat. He was really wanting to get it autographed. And, um, you know, when you're a nine-year-old, um, so you'd say somebody might say getting the same autograph re repeatedly, you know, isn't fun, right? The fact that every time he was at a game, he got your autograph made you a bigger, you know, he was a bigger fan of yours. And so add that on top of the way you play. And so after you had signed his hat, he was running down the hallway and, you know, I'll be honest with you, like, Cumbus and Skinner signed his hat too, but he didn't really even care that much. Like, he was still pointing to yours. And so, as a dad, um, that was really meaningful, man, because, like, you made his night. He, he went and got Cam's, which, you know, that's his guy too, and then he got yours. And, I mean, everybody else, you know, it did, they didn't matter after that. He, he got Sims. He got Cam's. He was, he was good to go. So, I appreciate, you know, that. And, you know, all that stuff meant a lot to me. And, and this is the last question I got for you. And then I'm going to let Daniel talk to you about some Team USA. Um, you know, with what y'all got coming back, man, you know, y'all have made three straight runs to Omaha and y'all have so much talent coming back. You have so much talent coming in. I mean, I think you've got to already be in a championship, you know, mindset, right? Thinking, you know, I know how hard it's, it is to do, right? Everybody knows how hard it is to do in sports to, to win back-to-back -back titles. But this team has what it takes, right? Yeah, um, you know, we got all the pieces. 
um, you know, I still got to, you know, we got to see all the new guys and, and, you know, some of the transfers, but, um, you know, I think we hit the, we hit the portal pretty well and we got some really big pieces and, and there's some really good freshmen coming in. Like, you know, every single year, there's a few freshmen that have significant, significant impacts on, on how successful your team is. So, um, you know, we, I think we have like six of nine coming back in the lineup. Um, you know, we got like the whole entire bullpen. We got, um, you know, some guys who have started before and, um, you know, some, some really good young talent that, that didn't get to, um, you know, really show who they are this year, but, um, you know, they'll be put in the spotlight this year and, or next year and, and be able to show everybody at Mississippi state and the nation what they're about. Um, but you know, we, like, we have all the pieces to, to make another run, um, but you know, it doesn't matter what, what it looks like on paper, you know, we gotta, we gotta perform and, and it, like we're, we're losing Tanner Allen. We're losing Rowdy Jordan. We're losing Will Bednar. We're losing Christian McLeod, Hootie, you know, I could go on and on about who we're losing, but um, you know, guys got to step up and fill their roles. And um, you know, we, we all learned a lot from them in the two years we were here, but here with them. Um, so um well, I got a bold prediction for you right now. You're going to be closing some games for my boy, Cade Smith, because as you know, he was injured for the first half of the season, and he showed yeah. what he could do. It, man, I, I mean, he got a lot of action, um, you know, down there in Omaha. Um, I, I see a big future for my boy, and I think you're going to be coming in closing some games for him. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a really good player, and he's one of the guys that I was talking about with, you know, they didn't get to really showcase who they, who they are and, and what they can do very much this year just because he – his arm was bothering him a little bit for the first half of the year. Given given the fact that you've gone extended innings before, is there any talk to converting to starting? Yeah, um, no, there definitely is. Um, we talked about it, and um, you know the the crazy thing is, like, I wasn't the traditional cl- closer this year. Like, I went one inning two times the whole year. Um, you know, every other outing of my like. 26 24 were multiple innings so um and you know every every year that I've been here um you know in the fall and the spring I've worked as a starter um so I I think um I'll work as a starter again in the in the spring before the season starts but um you know we're going to put ourselves in in the best spot to win baseball games and if if that's as a starter that's as a starter but if it's as the as the closer the back end guy again um, you know, it'll be that as well. So we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, um, I feel confident in, in either role. So you get an opportunity here, you know, over the past couple of weeks, you know, obviously to reflect on what you guys were able to accomplish, but it seems like there wasn't a whole lot of rest time because you get an invite and you're playing on team USA. Like how, how does that come about? Um, I had known for a little while that I was going to be playing for Team USA. Um, you know, I I threw a lot down the stretch in, in the postseason um, that, uh, you know, I threw a lot. And um, there was some thought about, you know, just shutting it down after the World Series. But, um, you know, it's it's a it's a really big honor and a, and a, a really big opportunity to play for Team USA. So, um, you know, I felt like that was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Uh, so that came about, you know, a couple months into the season, they had talked about, you know, wanting me to, 
to go out and, and play for Team USA. And I got the chance to do that. And and I got the chance to meet some really good dudes that, um, you know, happen to be really good baseball players too. So when you say you, you got to play for Team USA, like, are you playing games? Are you guys just training? Like, what does so, it entail? So usually the, the, the college national, the collegiate national team will, will travel somewhere internationally or somebody will come in and play us. Um, but this year with COVID and everything, there wasn't any international play. So they took, I think, about 48 guys and um, split us into two teams of 24. And um, we played a handful of games against each other in, uh, in stadiums um, in that Appalach- Appalachian, Appalachian League, which used to be a minor league, uh, I think maybe double A. It used to be a minor league um, division. But uh, we played there and um, we played in Tennessee for about a week. Then we went up to Virginia, played a few games there, and then played a few games in West Virginia too. Um, but yeah, they, it was kind of like an East Coast and a West Coast team. Um, you know, guys out in, out in California and over there, and then, you know, mostly all the SEC guys on the other team. Were you guys at, in Cary? Is that where you guys were at? Yeah, we – so um, that's where we were primarily. And then, um, you know, they cut the team down to probably about 30 guys. And um, we played a three-game series – or three exhibition games against the Olympic team before they headed out to Tokyo. Nice. What, what was that like? That was really cool. Um, you know, I actually got to to um, pitch against Todd Frazier. Um, you better have struck him out. No, he, he grounded into a double play, actually. Um, but, uh, no, it, it, that, that was a really, really cool experience, like, um, you know, to, to pitch against him and, and to play against those guys. Uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun watching their pitchers pitch, too. Like, um, those guys were, were really, really talented. And, um, you know, a lot of them were big leaguers and, and have significant big league time. And then, um, you know, the other portion of those guys are um, minor leaguers that are coming up through the systems. And, um, you know, they're really good ball players too. I'm sure it was a, a great opportunity to talk to people and, and learn something, even the short amount of time that you guys spent together, I'm sure you're probably able to pull a wealth of information and, and just the experience overall, like it's, it's gotta be helpful. Um, but w- who was the most impressive guy in that whole experience that, that you saw or played with? Um, so there's a guy named Gavin Cross. He plays at Virginia tech. Um, he's, you know, he's not like a, a huge name right now, but he hit about 450 with four home runs in the, in the summer circuit with, with team USA. And I mean, like the arms there, like they're no joke. Like everybody throws 95 plus and, and has a good, has a good breaking ball, you know, um, you know, right side or left side, like everybody there is a dude. And, um, you know, he just rolls out of bed and, and has multiple hits every, every day and, and hits four home runs, led the team in RBIs and, led the team in average. So he, he's, he's a really good player. And I've actually known him for a little while too. So what is it, you know, you, you reached the, the top of the mountain. You had a phenomenal season. 
but you're coming back looking to do it again. And obviously, in order to do it again, you got to improve. But it's hard to like justify improvement when you were the best last year. So when you think about it, what is the one thing that you got to do differently or do better um, to improve your game or improve your stock for next year? Um, it just like just maintaining everything, you know, um, you know, never taking a day for, for granted, you know, coming in and, and working, you know, in the fall, working out as hard as I can. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the plan is for how much I'm going to pitch in the fall, but, um, you know, do everything I can to, to improve my game and improve my strength and, and keep my arm in shape. And, and, you know, another thing this year with, with having all this experience, um, is kind of teaching the, the younger guys a lot this year too. Um, which that, that could be, you know, the biggest thing this fall is just, um, you know, taking some guys under my wing and, and, um, you know, trying to improve their games and, um, you know, teach them how it goes in the SEC and, you know, what it takes to, to be able to do all that. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, and you, you probably heard this, I'm sure coaches probably preach it all the time, but the, the difference between getting to and having to that whole mentality is, you know, you, you, you want the the mentality to be like you guys are in a special position and even as hard as some of the days can be you get the opportunity to have those days right Um, but you know the last thing obviously every champion they got to have some rest they got to have some downtime they got to be able to you know recharge so is that your plan right now you know what what is what does the off season look like prior to you know heading back for the fall um so like i said earlier i'm heading home tomorrow and um for about two two and a half weeks i plan on kind of just stepping away from everything um definitely not throwing uh and even you know getting out of the weight room too just giving my body a full rest uh you know i plan on taking about two weeks off and then um you know once i get back in the fall like it's go time and and um you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be every single day, like trying to improve like something I do and, you know, getting stronger and in the fall, I love the fall cause we get to work out a lot and, and we get to lift hard and I love to lift hard. Um, so just like, just trying to get stronger every day. Like, um, you know, yeah, we won, we won the national championship. Like that, that is awesome. And we can soak all of that up until, you know, the first day of fall practice, like, um, you know, when we all get back on campus and we start practicing, like we, like that's last year and, and, and we're going to have a new team and we got to find a new identity. Um, and, you know, I'll take that into my personal, um, you know, everyday stuff too. Like, uh, like I had a good year this past year, but none of that matters. Like I'm, I'm going to have to work every single day to have the best year possible next year too. Well, it, it, it looks like the, the book, you know, we're still writing chapters in that book, man. And, and I'm excited to see. I know Jim is excited for you guys. I mean, I, I don't think the, the feeling of what he witnessed in Omaha will, will be gone anytime soon. Um, so, but before we cut you loose, man, and get you out of here, we're going to we're gonna have some fun with you. We're going to play a little game called This or That. You down? All right, All right man. So, yeah. it's, it, it, let's it's, do it. It's very simple. I'm going to give you two options. All you have to do is pick one option or the other. 
you just can't say both and you can't say neither. Very okay. All right. First question. Would you rather throw a one hit complete game or would you rather throw a combined no hitter? <laughs> combined no hitter. <laughs> you had the opportunity. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, the funny thing is I actually threw a combined no hitter this year too. Okay. So I got to ask, like, is there, like, does it feel, it doesn't feel the same, right? I mean, I've never thrown my own no hitter, so I don't know what that feels like, but um, like the combined no hitter, like it was awesome. Like it was really cool, but I know a no hitter would definitely feel like 10 times better. Um, But we did that. It was four of us. uh, Jackson Fristo threw six perfect innings. um, And actually when I came in in the seventh inning, the you walk a guy. You, you, no, you, no, 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 no. <laughs> I won't say what happened, but um, the the perfect game was blown in that in that inning. Uh, but but we we kept the no hitter and we threw the no hitter, so that was really fun too. All right. So if you were having a home run derby, and who would win, you or Cameron James? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with me. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Cameron, Cameron would kick my butt. All right. Would you rather never wait in line again or every light that you came to was green? Oh, that's a good one. Never wait in line ever again. All right. I, I, I got to ask – to me, it seems like there's one place in particular or, or some line that you're, you just like, you answered that be pretty like matter of factly. Like there's a, there's a line for sure that you're like, I'm tired of that line. I mean, it's just any line. Like I'm, I'm extremely, like extremely, extremely, extremely impatient. So I don't like waiting in any lines. Like if I'm at Chick-fil-A, like I don't want to wait in line. Like I want to go get my food or, you know, if I'm getting a drink at the gas station, like, like get out the way. I don't like, I just want to go pay for my stuff and leave or anywhere. Like no matter the situation, like no lines. Give me, give me my eight piece nugget meal and let me get my Slurpee and move out my way. Right. Exactly. All right. Would you rather teleport or have invincibility? Invincibility. Yeah, make it those dog piles a little bit easier, huh? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I dog pile a few more times in my time at Mississippi State and maybe even after too. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, could you imagine like the last play of the game? They you guys do a dog pile, they go back and review it, and then you have to do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I was so scared of, like at the end of the Vanderbilt game, like we were all gonna dog pile. And then the umpires are going to be like, no, hold up. We got to review that. We got to review that. All right. Would you rather spend five years in jail or 10 years in a coma? Oh, five years in jail, 100%. We knew it. We I knew, knew it. it. I knew you're a five-year guy. Look, man. I'm a, I'm a, this is a long time. I'm going to tell you this. Five years is a long time and a rough five years in jail. And I've yeah, never been to five. jail. Nor do I want to go, but I'm I'm taking that ten year nap for sure. Really, I'll wake up and I'll, I'll learn whatever it is I missed out on. Well, you're gonna hit him with ninety seven mile an hour fists, bro. 
<laughs> well, I mean, all right. So you're spending five years in jail. So like, you're going to have to learn stuff too. So that, I mean, that plays like when you get out, you're going to have to learn like all the new, all the new kinks with all the uh, technology and everything. So, I mean, that plays a factor too, but like, I mean, 10 years is a long time. Like that's like five years is a long time, but 10 years is double the amount. Here's, here's the one thing with the 10 years is that life doesn't stop. Like it continues to move and you're just there. So like (laughs) you miss out on like, I have a daughter. So like, I miss all my daughter stuff. I have a wife. Like, what does she do? Does she go on somewhere and about me? Like, (laughs) yeah, at least you can talk to like, if you have a family, you can talk to your family if you're in jail. Yeah, that's true. I'm sticking with the jail thing for sure. Or you could, you might have a new family in jail. Who knows? (laughs) Hopefully I know. Hey, so Daniel, I got breaking news that came that came across once again a text from a from a James family member, but this time it's Cam. I texted him the scenario about pitching to Landon. He said, "Count him in." <laughs> Get it. All right, all right. Tell tell him you'll do it at Desoto Central so that he feels comfortable. And <laughs> no excuses. I got to put him in his habitat, you know, his natural, um, you know, with all the comfort and um, everything, and then I can embarrass him on his own field. Right. And, and, and off the bench we'll we'll do commentate it live it, w- it would be fantastic yeah so so i'll face him before the home run derby hit a bomb off of him and then we'll compete against each other in the home run derby and beat him nice. that's what we're going with all right if you could would you rather save one person's life one time or would you rather know all the government secrets save one person's life one time i don't i don't care to know all the government secrets i'm happier not knowing what goes on in the world you're probably true i mean i that's becoming the common answer daniel i know it it, and i'm the opposite like i wouldn't know who to save and i would feel guilty like what if you're in a situation where there's two people but you can only save one of them well see that you didn't say that at first I, but that could be a situation that you, you come across, man. It could like, be. It could be. Like, so um, I, I'd rather not save anybody and just be like, you know what? You know, I, I don't want that pressure. That's too much. Now, I just don't know. Like, I don't want to know about aliens and, like, what goes on in the government. Like, I just, like, I'm happy not knowing about that. Oh, dude, I do. I want to know all that that stuff. No. What, yeah, what am I missing? The, the smarter people – well, I don't even know if we can call them smarter, but the more important people can know all that. Um, I don't really care to know all about all that. It might freak me out a little bit. Yeah, there's probably some things better left not known. Exactly. Would you rather be a number one pick in Major League Baseball draft or NFL draft? The number one overall. I mean, I feel like Oh, man. I mean, who? Oh, man. Um, Probably NFL, because, like, I'm probably going to be a quarterback. And, like, if I'm the number one pick, I'm going to probably have a chance to start for an NFL team. But if I'm a number one pick in baseball, 
I, get, I still got to go through all the minor, I got to go through the minor league systems and, and do all that. But um, if I'm the number one pick at the NFL draft, I'm probably going to, um, you know, have a few chances to play in the NFL for a few years. Very true. Last question. And this is the question we ask everybody. Would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? Mm. All right. Let, let me, let me stop you because this, this was a follow-up question to the question I just asked because you did choose the sport that when you sign, you make more money. So I, that's why I asked this question next. And, let, and let's go ahead and take it a step further. Notice he said, hmm, Daniel. And usually the friends people say friends and there's not even a hesitation. So the fact that there's even a little grunt tells me there is a good possibility he goes the other way. No, I think friends, but like, I feel like everybody gives that answer just, just cause they feel like they have to like, I mean, at the end of the day, I think friends would be the right answer, but it depends. Like, I mean, if, if there's like a hundred million dollars sitting in front of me and somebody's like, take this or like, you're not going to have friends. Like what? If, I mean, you can, you'll, buy, make, you'll make new friends. You can buy friends at that point. Thank you. But, but at the same time, like at the end of the day, when I'm 85, if I live to be 85 years old, I think having friends would be more worth than having a hundred million dollars at that point in time. Look, let me tell you, if somebody put a hundred million dollars in front of me and was like, you can take this, but the only stipulation is, is your friends are no longer your friends. Jim, peace out, bro. I'll <laughs> see, see you some other time. It's just like people who ask those questions have never had a hundred million dollars in front of them before. So, you know. So, yeah. so, so, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you because, uh, you know, we we were joking before the episode uh, about Hayden Leatherwood, uh, and you know. We we won't talk about what what mistake he made. And uh, hey, he told me that uh, you know he's no surprise that you had the answer because you're the best at everything. So how about an old Miss guy giving you a compliment? <laughs> oh. But he but he answered that question and said friends with money, and that to me is the best and correct answer. I mean, yeah, that, like if but I that, I don't think that those that wasn't a an it wasn't option. an option. But he he answered it that way. Right. No, that is a good answer. Um, but like at the end of the day, how much, how much money is a friend going to give you? Like, you know, I don't mind picking up my friend's dinner every now and again, but, uh, I mean, if I'm going to have to keep throwing money your way, like, I, I don't know how much of a friend I'm going to be to you. Or, or like, how much do you give them? Like, like, let's, let's say you put your friend on your, your, your personal payroll and you pay them a million dollars a year. Like that's basically telling them your friendship is worth a million dollars a year to me. Well, look what LeBron James did. I mean, he gave all his friends jobs. Oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. You you can have some money, but you're gonna work for it. I ain't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there ain't gonna be handouts around here now. Yeah, I, which I'm sure LeBron wouldn't be hurting if he just handed out a million dollars here and there. But nah, he'd be he'd be all right. He'd be just fine. All right, Landon man, anything you want to plug or promote? I don't think so. Um, there's nothing really on my on my mind right now, but I've really enjoyed this. It's been fun. Yeah, man. This is, uh, you know, 
we are, are lucky in a sense that we get to talk to a lot of athletes and every story is different and it's 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 so fun to get to hear the story and we're we're very blessed and and, and we're lucky man and we just want to thank you and if there's anything that we can do to help you know promote you or, or help you out along the way please reach out to us and definitely definitely let's get you back on you know prior to the season starting and you know let's let's journey it along the way because I, I have a good feeling man you know Omaha could be a, a, another reality for you guys. Yeah, for sure. We, you know, we got a lot of work to do, but, um, you know, I, with, with the guys we got and the mentalities they have, I, I think it, it's a, it's a real possibility. Speaking of work to do, Daniel, you know, my man made a bold statement to me and told me he would outdo uh, Houston. Man, Houston's episode has been released. 36 hours now this man's got 344 downloads so man <laughs> best of luck to you landon oh man so, hopefully i beat it just because that's hootie's record that's the one day record the one day record he holds and it hey if there's anybody that can come and close the door i'm confident that it's you man so man i mean i'm hoping i can do it um, you know, I, I know I'll get my mom and my dad to listen. That's so there's there's two right there. There's two lessons. Nice. Oh yeah. And I mean, and I mean, if Greg James is cleaning his carpet, you know, there's your third. Oh yeah. Hope I'm. I mean, I hope so. All right, y'all, check them out on Instagram at Landon Sims. And if you like hearing us, average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for episode 22, where we're finally diving into football. Yeah, that's right. Football season is right around the corner. We got University of Memphis football star, linebacker Thomas Pickens joining us. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out. So, Daniel, Randy, we always talk about, you know, trying to better our lives. Daniel, especially you on the, the physical side, talk about the things we need to do to live a longer, healthier life. And, you know, with life changers, they teach and balance blood chemistry. They balance pH. They help you be disease free. They train you how to make money. And so if you're interested in something like this, 2610 Panola Street in Hernando, Mississippi, Reach out to them, let them help you change your life, and you can help change other people's lives.